0: My name is Peter O'Donnell. I'm a solutions architect with AWS. I've been with our company for about three and a half, four and a half years, and I've had the privilege and frankly personal thrill of working with some of our largest, most challenging customers. We're here today to talk about KMS and how KMS can be used to not just kind of manage your keys, because of course it's a key management service. Managing encryption keys and being secure is not enough. You have to be able to raise the bar on providing attestation. And that's really what we're going to get into today. So, we're going to do a quick encryption primer. Hopefully everybody's familiar with KMS broadly, but I want to make sure that you understand the dynamics of how KMS really operates, what it means to have envelope encryption. We're going to then talk about how KMS can be used to promote these critical outcomes, protecting your data, improving auditability, and providing overall operational assurance. I'll say a little bit more about what we mean by operational assurance as we get through this. So as it turns out, encrypting is the simple part. We're gonna start with a data key. Some of this is complex and the language doesn't help. We're gonna be talking about data keys and master keys. And this overall pattern is something called envelope encryption. So let's start with the data key. we generate this securely inside of a validated module in our HSM fleet. We're gonna combine this data key with your data. And then we're gonna get encrypted data. Super simple stuff. The hard part is what do we do with this data key? Where do we keep it? How do we protect it? How do we authorize its use? And so the right pattern is that we are going to encrypt the key with yet another key. This is also known as wrapping. We're going to wrap that data key with the master key, and then we're gonna hold the encrypted data key right next to your encrypted data. So we've got a key that protects your data. We have another key that protects the key that protects your data. So then the question is, well, what are we gonna do with the master key? And again, the right answer is that we're gonna wrap the master key. And this is a little bit of a turtles all the way down problem, right? Because you're gonna ask me, what are we gonna do with the key that we're using to protect the master key? Well, we're gonna encrypt that one too with yet another key. And the good news is that we are gonna do the really hard, ugly part of this for you. It's what we do here at Amazon. We call it undifferentiated heavy lifting. So this idea of keys protecting keys protecting keys is a concept in cryptography known as a key hierarchy. So let's talk about the key hierarchy, where KMS fits in, and where you can really get some powerful enforcement, some powerful policy control about how these keys are used. So again, we've got a data key that protects your data. We've got a master key that protects the data key. And this is your part. We are gonna hold your master key material for you. Your master key material is only in the clear, inside of the memory, inside of the validated module, inside of our HSM fleet. And AWS operators do not have access to that key material. So it's not almost a question, sometimes they say, well, how do you protect that master key material from an AWS operator getting access to it? And the way we design this system is that there's no such thing as how to secure our ability to access your keys, because we have no ability to access your keys. So it's very thoughtfully designed. KMS is a very serious service, built by very serious people for very serious customers. And it's this point here where we can protect the a- authorization of the use of the master key that's at the heart of what we're talking about today. This is the f- policy enforcement point. The master key takes a policy document, and if you're familiar with our platform, this idea of a resource policy uses the same json IAM language that you would find elsewhere in the platform. But when we authorize the use of a master key, it's extremely powerful because it authorizes access to the data keys. And access to the data keys gives you access to the data. So this idea of protecting it here, again, is the policy enforcement point. The master key is wrapped by other keys above that. This is something that we take care of. There's a domain key and a region key that's really detailed in a really nice white paper. This part, you don't have to really think hard about if you're a cryptography nerd, if you're a chief risk person, again, really good white paper. But the critical part is the access to use the master key. And that access to the master key gives us the rest of what we're gonna talk about this morning. What else can you do with KMS besides managing the keys? the answer is that KMS gives customers some really powerful tools here because there's policy control on the use of the master key. So let's talk about that. It's an additional mechanism for access control, that accessing the encrypted data is not enough. You must also be able to decrypt the data. It integrates with all the rest of our services. So if you're familiar with CloudTrail, and I hope you are, the audit records, the CloudTrail contains a journal of not only what's happening in terms of accessing the data, attach volume, launch instance, get object, But CloudTrail also includes records of using the master key, and you can tick and tie those. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. And then finally, this idea of operational assurance. What does this really mean? This means that, again, it's not enough to be secure. You have to be able to demonstrate it to somebody, whether that's internal audit, your boss, a third party, maybe your customers wanna come ask you hard questions about it, and those questions are not the kind of thing that you should consider as, well, give me a day and I'll come back to you. Because those questions are important. Those questions are things like, how do you know this is set up right? Are you sure all of our data is protected? How do we know that everything in here is properly encrypted? Those are important questions and you should have snappy answers for them. The good news is, we're gonna show you how you can provide those answers to those questions this idea of operational assurance. So let's start with protecting your data. KMS promotes protecting your data. Of course, it's encrypted, and really it's also, again, about access control. The customers we see our most sophisticated customers using separate master keys to partition access inside of even individual environments. So it may be that all of your operators can use EBS, that's an elastic block store, it's our virtual disk service that pairs with the virtual compute. So attach volume, detach volume, create snapshot, terrific. But you've probably got some disks in your environment that are holding super sensitive data. You can use a separate master key for them. And by using a separate master key, you can have explicit assurance that even if you have EC2 star, you should not be writing policies with star in them, but even if you have attach volume, create snapshot, copy snapshot, Their snapshots can take ACLs, they can be shared. Even if you have all those permissions, it's not enough. You must also be authorized to use the master key. And for your most sensitive data volumes, you can create a separate CMK, customer master key, and manage the access in a more discreet, deliberate, and intentional fashion. This policy that, again, goes with the CMKs defines this access. Again, it uses the same policy language that you're accustomed to. And even if you have access to the services, RDS, create snapshot, again, copy snapshot, all these things, even if you have access to the services, you must have the ability to be authorized to use the master key. This is a really powerful way of also separating roles and responsibilities, separation of duties. On the key, you may have a security officer persona who's responsible for setting up the access to the key. That's great call that management actions. Those actions can be defined completely separately from the cryptographic operations. Encrypt, decrypt, generate data key, re-encrypt, things like that. So you can be very deliberate that just because your security officers are managing the keys, she can't use the key. And the developers who might need the key, the software components that might need to use the key are of course not permissioned to manage that key, to give away access. And again, this idea of intentionality. You wanna be very deliberate. If you're operating at scale in large environments, you might have thousands of EBS volumes, tens of thousands of EBS volumes, billions of S3 objects, but you can be very deliberate about protecting those objects, about protecting those volumes, about protecting AWS resources with discrete individual CMKs that have discrete access defined directly on the key. Because AWS is an additional, or KMS is an additional plane of access control, it means that when you access these resources, it requires this additional authorization to use the key. So again, even if you have something like S3 star, which you shouldn't have. You must also have the ability to use the key. So in your billion object bucket, if you know that a certain prefix slash tax documents needs to be encrypted, you can use a separate master key for just those objects. And folks in the account who might otherwise have access to that bucket, part of their identity policy, maybe the policy directly on the bucket, giving them that access, it's simply not enough to have the access to S3, that they must also be authorized to use the master key. Again, this idea of really sensitive data, it may be appropriate for your operators to manage the EBS volumes for all the operating system, maybe for the installations of the application, but the log disk, the disk that actually contains the database files, the disks that contain PII, uh, PHI, PCI data, whatever, you can be more discreet and authorize those volumes separately to give you not only additional access control, but additional audit visibility. Something like RDS. RDS is gonna contain a lot of sensitive data. Right? It's our relational database service. The keys necessary to launch the instance are probably something that the operators need to be able to use, but the keys that back the secrets to log into the database could be a completely separate key. They probably should be a completely separate key. Again, intentionality, partitioning access, separation of duties, really simple stuff because you can just create, oh, that's exciting. Uh, so you could just create a uh, new master keys They cost a dollar a month. Uh, I'm just gonna ignore that for now. Um, let me know if it gets worse. Uh, Let's talk about audit outcomes. So again, this idea of KMS is journaling its activity into CloudTrail, and so are the rest of our services. And so when we think about your audit outcomes, I always like to tell customers, we all want the same things. So when you think about what an auditor wants, it's really what a security engineer wants. And what is that? So we can use something called encryption context to provide visibility and detail into the use of the master keys and that journaling of the use of the key that's in CloudTrail. If you're a cryptography nerd, Encryption Context is our implementation of something called AAD, Additional Authenticated Data. It's a little bit like a tamper-evident seal. It's not a secret. It's part of uh, improving the integrity of the ciphered data. When we write our services to integrate with KMS, this idea of Encryption Context, we use it to reference why the key was being used so when you, attach, when you create a volume with KMS, the encryption context is the volume ID. When you create a back of object in S3, the encryption context is the key space in S3. So when we see actions in KMS's CloudTrail for decrypt, we're also seeing this encryption context. And you can use that to tick and tie what you see from say RDS's journaling of create snapshot to KMS's journaling of using the key to protect that snapshot. This is a detective control, but it's also, again, a really great audit record. It proves what was happening, and it ensures something called non-repudiation, which means that you can't deny that it happened. You can't say, well, I never attached that volume. Like, yeah, you did. It says right here that you did. It's really important to have that kind of auditability to provide attestation to, again, internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, the risk committee on the board, really, really important stuff. You can use AWS Config now with KMS. Config is our visibility and config management service on the platform, and if you've ever pasted a screenshot into a Word document on December 31st, you know how flimsy providing attestation of correctness can be. Well, Config tracks the changes to your resources over time and config now supports KMS, and so when we talk about the KMS key policy as being the policy enforcement point that is so critical, it's again not enough to say that you dialed it in properly. You have to be able to provide attestation that it stayed proper over time. And so when you set up access and key policy, config journals whether or not that key policy ever changes. Again, because it's not enough to say, no, I, I haven't changed it since we deployed Config can help prove that. So let's talk about, as an example, S3. So I've talked about CloudTrail, and CloudTrail is really about capturing management events. What at Amazon we would call control plane events. And so S3 out of the box in CloudTrail is gonna have create bucket, put bucket uh, policy, put bucket default encryption, management events. But the gets and the puts for S3 are not there, but you can enable that. It's called the data trail. Now, you need to be a little bit mindful if it's a super public bucket that is backing a really popular website, this is a big body of log data. And there is a cost, there's a fee associated with this. And like a lot of things that we sell, it's relatively low cost, but at hyperscale, you should be thinking about the cost for CloudTrail there. But ultimately, it's a minimal operational overhead to get critical visibility. Who accessed this data? So you get a records of the gets and the puts, who placed data into the bucket, who got data out of the bucket. As you can imagine, that's an important record to have, particularly with sensitive data, particularly with regulated data. It includes the ARN of the user getting it, so you can not only see the gets and the puts, of course, you can see who is getting the, doing the work there. And again, it can be ticked and tied against the, KMS events in CloudTrail. Because every get out of S3 for a KMS protected object, you'll not only see the get record in uh, S3's data trail, you'll see the decrypt event in KMS's CloudTrail. When you place an object into S3, you'll see the event in S3's data trail, you'll see the event of generate data key for KMS in the KMS CloudTrail. And this idea of being able to have these parallel records that can be ticked and tied together answers some really critical questions. Questions that are the kind of thing, again, as I mentioned earlier, that you don't wanna be able to be like, well, gosh, Dave, uh, I'll look into that. You should know these things at all times. Who accessed this data? Did accessing this data always require encryption? Was everything stored here always properly encrypted? yes, this is the bucket in which we keep our patient records. Show me that every time the data was placed there, it was properly encrypted. Show me that everyone who ever accessed this had proper authorization to do so. KMS and CloudTrail and the S3 data trail can answer those questions. And when it comes to answering hard questions, this goes back to the idea of operational assurance. Being able to know that you can, in fact, sleep well at night. That when your CIO calls you and says, well, what happens if somebody misconfigures a bucket? What happens if it's open to the world? You can say, you know what? I have a good answer for you. That even if you misconfigure this bucket, you can't do that with KMS. So even if we set a public object ACL on a really sensitive file, you can't do that if it's backed with KMS because getting that object is not possible without authorization on the master key. What if somebody shares an EBS snapshot? If you're unfamiliar with this phenomena, you should go home tonight and look at the status of your shared snapshots. Again, somebody could share a snapshot, call the API, great, doesn't matter. That person does not have the ability to update the key policy document. So your data is never actually usable somebody even who has access to a shared EBS snapshot will not have access to use the master key. How could I prove who has access? Over time, lots of folks have had identity policies. Many different people have been able to federate to a bunch of different roles. Who could have, have accessed this data that was placed here? Well, no matter what, they had to have been authorized to use the master key. You can answer this hard question And conversely, how can I prove who did not have access? Show me that nobody could have seen our tax documents except for the controller's office. KMS can answer that question. This idea of operational assurance. You can broaden that. We're moving towards default encryption on the platform. So, when we think about default encryption for S3, It's not a way, by the way, to prevent your developers or relieve your developers from reasoning about encryption. What default bucket encryption can do is let you get encryption outcomes from software that doesn't otherwise support it. That's really the thing to think about when you think about default bucket encryption. But what it does mean that you can configure the bucket such that even if somebody places the object without encrypting it, that it'll automatically be encrypted anyway. And you can configure the entire bucket to always encrypt everything under a CMK. Same with EBS, so you can configure EBS to always encrypt the volumes when they are created. Really powerful catch-all. And you'll see this uh, coming to uh, the rest of the platform over time. Dynamo is always encrypted. There's no such thing as unencrypted Dynamo anymore. Last year, we (laughs) spent several months percolating. We encrypted the entire data plane of Dynamo which is as large as it sounds. So again, this idea of default encryption can help promote these same outcomes that I've been speaking about. This idea of data protection, this idea of auditability, this idea of operational assurance. KMS also of course integrates with our certificate manager. So customers, uh, when they come to the platform, they wanna use a load balancer, maybe they already have really nice, fancy, say, extended validation certificates It's a big deal to give us the key material, the private key mat, of those certificates. How do you know that we're doing the right thing? Well, as it turns out, the integration between ACM and ELB and KMS, that's the certificate manager, the load balancer, and the key management service, provides really discrete visibility and auditability in the exact same way. So yes, you are giving your private key mat to us, but there's a really good story about how we're protecting it, and you can show that to other stakeholders. So, from here, I'm really excited to introduce my colleague, Raj Kapurabu, one of the product managers for KMS, to tell you about what's coming to KMS that's new to KMS and extended capabilities to help promote these same outcomes. My friend.
1: Hello, everyone. Good morning. Thank you, Peter. My name is Raj Kapurabu. I'm a product manager on the key management service team, here to talk to you about what is new in KMS. All right, for the next 20 minutes, here's what we're gonna do. One, I'm gonna tell you what is the new feature that we introduced in the service. Two, we'll see what the differences are between what we already talked about. So the customer master keys, that Peter talked about are all symmetric keys. We'll see what this new feature is and what the different data types will be going forward. And then we will talk about some common use cases that I've heard customers ask me to introduce as far as asymmetric keys are concerned. So asymmetric keys are the new feature. If you didn't already figure it out, that's what I'm gonna be talking about for the next 20 minutes. Also, as you all know with shared responsibility within AWS, uh, I'm gonna talk to you about what you can expect from the AWS KMS team as far as this particular feature is concerned. And then finally wrap it up with asking you for your share of responsibility to keep the keys secure and also be able to use them effectively, right? So these are some of the things uh, that we'll be talking about in the next 20 minutes. So the first thing, I mean, as somebody in the audience, if I were to be sitting there, I'd be thinking, okay, for the last five years, you guys have been operating with symmetric keys and you've been telling us that you're encrypting the data, securing it. So what is with this new set of keys, right? So the way that I look at it is symmetric keys, as you think of them, were a secret that you used to encrypt a piece of data. And now it turns into ciphertext and unless you have the same secret key to be able to decrypt that data, you will not be able to get to the plaintext, right? So now asymmetric keys are not keys anymore, they are key pairs. How many of you in the audience know what asymmetric keys are? So, all right, okay, good, good, good amount of people. All right, for those who might not know, I will still be Uh, very basic about what those are, so please bear with me, people who already know about these. So to illustrate what asymmetric is, uh, here's what I thought of doing, right? So I have this T-shirt here. Uh, If you look at the back of it, it's plain. If you imagine a white line in between or if you tear the shirt up, I didn't want to, but if you think of it and if you put them back together, they are symmetric, so the left half and the right half are exactly the same. That's what I mean by symmetric when two pieces, two equal pieces come together to make one whole, right? On the other side, I have this logo on the left and nothing on the right. So if you do the same thing on the front side, now you have two unequal pieces coming together and that's what I mean by asymmetric. So it's a pretty simple example, but I wanted to at least illustrate to you what that means. So what that gives you is this public key pair and private key pair. Right, so with symmetric, I told you there's just a secret key. You use the same key to encrypt and decrypt. Now asymmetric gives you this option of saying, all right, I'm gonna give you a public key and a private key, and both of them will be used for opposite actions, the encryption act- action and the decryption action, right? So we'll see what that will actually give you in this particular, uh, uh, when, when you have asymmetric keys to work with, right? So there are two main things that you can do with them. One is digital signing, right? So what you will be able to do is take a public, a public key and a private key for this. For this, and uh, for digital signing, what you do is you take a piece of data, and you take a hash of it. So you put that data through a hashing algorithm, and you get a message digest. You encrypt that message digest, and the message digest can only be decrypted with the public key associated with that key that you used to encrypt it, right? So what that gives you is you can produce a signature on top of any data, and you give that signature and the data to somebody, and they will be able to look at that signature and know that it has been signed by a private key that is owned by whoever gave you that signature. So that's what an asymmetric key used for digital signing can be used for. The second thing is public key cryptography, right? Where you take the public key, you give it to anybody you would like you would like that uh, to be shared with, they take the public key, encrypt information, they pass it on to you, and now you have the private key of that particular key that you, the corresponding private key, and you take that and you decrypt that information, and only you can decrypt it because you have access to the private key, right? So that's what we're gonna be talking about. So let's look at what the signing workflow looks like. So the digital signature workflow looks like this. The first thing you would do is you create a key, a master key, as Peter pointed out, we will say you will create a signing master key. And then what you do is you generate a signature. So you take that key and you have some data that you would like to get signed. You pass it on to KMS. You say, this is the key that I would like to get, produce a signature with, and then you take that signature and you take that data and you send it to somebody, whoever the recipient is. The recipient will be able to take the public portion of the key and be able to verify that that signature was indeed produced by the private key that you own, right? So that is what the workflow for a digital signature looked like. And here's the screenshot of KMS today after we launched this feature last week. So initially there was only one option for you to be able to create a symmetric CMK. But now you have this option to say, I would like to use KMS to also create what is an asymmetric master key. And then you choose whether it is an encryption key or a signing key. And then you have multiple key specs for signing, right? So RSA and ECC, are the two uh, signing key specs that we provide. And there are multiple key lengths that we also give you based on your requirements, right? So what do you do first? You come create a key and now you have a sign API that we also launched last week. And what you will be able to do is you have this data that you want to sign. So either you send us a message digest. So as I told you, you pass that data through a hashing algorithm. If you have a large amount of data that you would like to get signed, you don't want to pass all of that data over to KMS, so you take a hash of it and you send that digest over to KMS to get it signed. Or you can also send send us the data itself if it is less than four kilobytes for us to generate the message digest and give you the signature back to you, right? And then you also use the get public key API that we launched also. So you pass in the key ID, you get the public key back. Now you get that, take that public key and you share it with your recipients for them to be able to verify the signature, right? So that's what you would do, uh, use this particular API for. And then finally, you will also, for completeness, what uh, we did was we launched the verify API. So what that does is now if you have customers, your customers that are also AWS customers, you can choose to write key policies to be able to say, for this particular key, I would like these entities to be able to call Verify API as well. So that they don't have to deal with verification outside of KMS, although that is a primary case for you to be able to use asymmetric keys in the first place. But if you have two entities that are part of the AWS ecosystem, you should be able to use the Verify API to do that also. Now, We've looked at what the signing workflow is. Let's see what the encryption workflow looks like, right? uh, Very similarly, you start out by creating an encryption key. You say, I want KMS to create a master key that uh, that is used for encryption. Then you download the public portion of the key, again, using the get public key API, and you provide that public key over to recipients, whoever you want, data to be encrypted with and shared with you. They take that, they encrypt the information, and then they send it back to you, and you have the private portion of the key within KMS. You take that ciphertext, send it to KMS to get it decrypted, right? And what does the flow look like? Again, the screenshot here tells you now, if you choose an encryption key, you have this key spec that is RSA based only for encryption, right? And then, the Get public key API, again, you will be able to call Get, Get public key to be able to download the public portion of the key, share it with whoever you would like to give that uh, key to, to encrypt data. And you would use the Decrypt API now. And the big difference, so you all, all, all are already familiar with the Decrypt API because KMS has been, uh, you, uh, you've been using KMS to decrypt information also that is encrypted with symmetric key so far. But now the big difference is because data is encrypted outside of KMS, you have to also pass in the key ID for KMS to know what key, used, key to be used to actually decrypt that information. So today, when you pass in information over to KMS, you just pass the ciphertext and that's all, that, that's all you do. But with asymmetric keys, you also have to pass in the key ID going forward just for asymmetric keys and nothing changes with symmetric. And again, for completeness purposes, if you have AWS customers also that you are sharing sharing this public key with, they can call the Encrypt API also that is already available. And what that does is it gives you an audit trail, right? So if you have somebody calling your Encrypt API, you will also know that there is an audit record for somebody doing that particular operation within KMS. All right, so now we've looked at what the signing workflow and the encryption workflow is. Let's see what the other feature that we also launched was. So we talked about what key hierarchy is in envelope encryption, which means that now you have data keys that you can encrypt data with, right? So similarly, what we've done is we've introduced this generate data key pair star and star is not an asterisk to tell you that there is something specific that you have to keep in mind it is just that there are two APIs that we launched the generate data key pair and the generate data key pair without plain text API so you might be familiar with generate data key and generate data key without plain text it's very similar now what uh, kms provides you is the capability for you to also generate these symmetric asymmetric data key pairs that can actually be given outside, outside of the system for you to be able to use the private key also outside KMS if you want. So that's the big distinction, right? So I've talked about how you can create master keys where the private portion of the master key does not leave KMS in plain text ever. So all of the operations happen within HSMs. But in this particular case, we will give you both the public and private key pairs outside for you to be able to do any operations outside of KMS as well. And now let's look at what the differences are, right? So now we've talked about what symmetric keys are, what asymmetric keys are, how you can create them in KMS. Let's look at what the fundamental differences are between both of them, right? So the first thing is that now, again, as I said, there is the symmetric key, there's only a secret. So it's one thing that you can do for encryption and decryption. The other thing that you can do uh, with asymmetric keys is now you have public and private key pairs, and that's what we've been talking about so far. Operations inside and outside of KMS. So far, you've been u- uh, using KMS to encrypt information, encrypt data, and store it within AWS services or outside in your applications, right? So every time you had to do an encrypt operation or a decrypt operation, you had to call KMS. But here now, with asymmetric keys, what you will be able to do is do encryption and verification outside of KMS if you choose to. That's the big difference that I wanna point out, right? And then interoperability. One of the biggest things why we even started to launch asymmetric key, pair, asymmetric key functionality within KMS is to give you this option to do interoperability with other systems, right? So as I mentioned, if as long as you have to rely on KMS for both encryption and decryption, there's no interoperability that you have to think about. But now if you have other external systems that you have to integrate with or work with, you need a way for you to be able to share this key pairs with them, and that is where the big difference comes in. And then another thing to keep in mind is The biggest also value add for KMS is that you have integration with several AWS services, right? So that native integration doesn't exist with asymmetric key pairs or asymmetric keys today. But again, the biggest thing with symmetric keys was for protecting data that is stored. And you will be able to do that all the time, even with symmetric keys today. So the big value add was that data that is stored in AWS services, you will be able to uh, rely on KMS to be able to store that and protect that information. That you will still be able to do so, but asymmetric keys are a little bit different and we will look at what those use cases are and why native integration with AWS services was not a big criteria for us to make this launch, right? So let's look at some use cases for why we even launched it in the first place, right? So we talked about how uh, use cases. The first thing is I told you asymmetric keys can be used for public key cryptography. What that means is customers want to be able to create or generate a data key outside, or you can use the generate key, data key API of KMS. You get a data key out and you use that to encrypt a bunch of data outside. And now, you take a public portion of the master key, the asymmetric key that you created and you encrypt that data key, right? So you have a bunch of data that is encrypted using a symmetric data key and now you have encrypted that data key again, this concept of envelope encryption, but now you've taken the public key of the master key that you created in KMS and you encrypted the data key and you got rid of the plain text data key there. And now unless you have the capability of being able to take this encrypted data key, call KMS, and be able to decrypt that, all of that data is secure and stored and encrypted even in an offline system, right? So that's the big use case for you to think about why you would want to consider using asymmetric keys for encryption purposes. The other use case is again, as I mentioned for integrity purposes, the fact that you want to be able to sign a piece of data and send it to somebody. So I've seen situations of customers telling me that in a microservices architecture, for instance, if you have service to service uh, communication, they want to be able to use JSON web tokens to be able to have that integration happen within those services and to be able to verify that a token has been signed by a microservice that is used for authentication and authorization, that is a use case where asymmetric keys can come into play. And also in case of SAML, where you have SAML tokens that you would like to sign, that's another use case for using asymmetric keys as well, right? So now we've looked at the use cases, we've understood what the symmetric uh, keys are, asymmetric keys are, what the differences are. Let's also look at what KMS's responsibility is, right? So in this whole feature launch, we also had to look at what we as AWS KMS will have to do to protect these keys that we create for you. So the thing is, we will still generate these keys inside HSMs that we've already been using for the last five years, right? So all of the generation of the asymmetric master keys and the the data key pairs will still happen inside of AWS KMS HSMs. The thing, again, with as with symmetric keys, nobody, including AWS service operators or employees, will be able to use any of these keys or see any of these keys in plain text ever. All access and operations are recorded. And we've talked about how AWS CloudTrail is a source of your record for telling you when a particular key was used by who and when, and that is still gonna be applicable for asymmetric keys as well. And then availability and durability. Again, we have uh, SLA that we publish for AWS KMS. And as long as we don't maintain 99.9% or higher availability, there is a guarantee that we give you and that agreement, you can find it online. And durability, we have 11 nines of durability for the keys that we also protect within KMS. So that still applies to asymmetric keys as well. And then asymmetric and AWS KMS will continue to scale to your needs, right? So one of the big things that you rely on AWS KMS is to be able to give you access to hundreds and millions and billions of keys to be able to protect all of your information in S3 or other integrated services. Similarly, depending on your needs, depending on how your applications would like to use these asymmetric keys, we will scale the service to be able to meet your needs. So those are all our responsibilities. So now I've given you a bunch of AWS KMS responsibilities. We'll we'll also talk about what your part of the responsibility is as well, right? And I'll tell you, your responsibilities are fewer than what ours are, right? The first thing is because now you have this distinction between encryption keys and signing keys, you have to keep in mind that a key can only be used for either encryption or signing. So once you've created a key, you've designated it for signing or encryption. So it's on you to be able to share the right public key over to your constituents, whoever your other third parties are that you're talking to, to be able to encrypt information properly with the right key because If you encrypt data using a signing key, then you will not be able to decrypt it and that's not something that you wanna be in a state with. Second thing is, again, as I mentioned, there's no integration, native integration yet with any of the AWS services that we have. So it's on you again to not pass in a key ID that is asymmetric keys when you have integrated services when you have a service that accepts a key ID in the first place. It's not that something terrible is gonna happen, it's just that you're gonna get an error back that I don't want you to get. So before you ever encounter an error, uh, you wanna make sure that you have not passed in a key ID that is an asymmetric key to an AWS integrated service. Then with asymmetric keys, the big thing is there are certificates involved. So if I give you a public key, you have to know that it actually belongs to me because there could be somebody else that might give you another public key that doesn't belong to me. And if you encrypt information with that public key, then all of that data is accessible to them. So here is where certificates are involved, where you have to be able to give them a public key and you say this public key has been certified by a certificate authority to tell you that this actually belongs to me. That's something that I would we want for you to be able to do it yourself. Uh, it's not KMS that will do it for you. It's a primitive that we give you, but the certificate uh, uh, for the public keys is something that you have to get it outside of KMS. And then setting the right policies, right? As with other customer master keys that we have, it's a big deal for somebody who has access and authorization to be able to use a master key. So setting the right key policies is something that you have to also take very seriously because whoever has access to those keys will be able to encrypt data, decrypt data, and also be able to sign data also now going forward, which people will now associate the fact that something is signed with a private key that you have access to that private key. And that's a very uh, powerful tool that you have to restrict access to only certain identities that you want access to that. And so finally, I would like to give you a few things before we leave the session or end the session. One is today, after we launched the service, uh, this particular feature, it's only available in five of the regions that I mentioned on the slide. And more regions to come, it's just that we've chosen to go with these first five to launch the feature. And then different limits for asymmetric. So when KMS started out, we had 100 transactions per second as a limit five years ago. Guess what? We have customers calling KMS at quarter million transactions per second today. That's how we were able to scale the service starting from 100 to 250,000 today. And similarly, for asymmetric keys, we are starting out low, but we would like to hear from you guys for how you want to use this service for asymmetric needs. And we will certainly scale the system to be able to meet your needs as we go along. And then the thing to also keep in mind is generate data key pairs. As I mentioned, you can use KMS to be able to generate these asymmetric key pairs to be able to use outside the system. And the only way to protect these data key pairs is using symmetric keys. So I don't want you to use an asymmetric master key to protect asymmetric key pairs. So that's something that you have to keep in mind because again, for data protection of data at rest, symmetric keys are the logical choice. And this is what we've determined that symmetric master keys are the right type of keys to be able to protect key pairs as well. And then pricing is also different for asymmetric versus symmetric keys. Uh, And we have a free tier for KMS, but asymmetric key pairs will not be part of that free tier. And that's something to keep in mind as well. And finally, I would also just want to highlight the fact that at AWS, security is our top priority, and that's something that we always take seriously. And as far as resources are concerned, I've written a blog post recently after the launch I would highly encourage you to look at it, to understand what the nuances of these APIs that I talked about and to be able to understand how these use cases can be uh, used in your particular environments. And pricing, again, you can see how the asymmetric customer master keys are priced and as 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 well as the data key pairs, when you generate them, you should be able to generate RSA key pairs and ECC key pairs of different key lengths and depending on how many you would like to create and what sort of specification you would like to create, there's a different price and those pricing details are also on this page. And then as far as documentation is concerned, uh, here's the link that'll give you information about, that goes into much more detail about the differences between symmetric and asymmetric and how you can be able to use them within AWS KMS, right? And I also want to point out some of the related breakout sessions that might be interesting to you as far as data protection is concerned. So I'll pause for a second for you to take a screenshot of it if you would like. And then Learning security is also important, and as I'm, imagine, I'm assuming that people in this audience are interested in learning more about what you can do with AWS in general and security overall. We have a bunch of different trainings and certifications that are available. Uh, here's information about where you can get those free courses for you to learn more, and there's lots of documentation about different AWS security services that we offer as well. And finally, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming to this session on an early morning and I had a good time telling you about what we have to offer. And I'm very excited for you to be able to do something with these asymmetric keys that we just launched. I also wanna point out that so far, you've been able to use KMS with 55 plus integrated services to be able to protect your data. And as uh, Peter also pointed out, Uh, You have the security assurances, you have performance, you have availability and the low cost benefits of KMS for symmetric keys and going forward for asymmetric as well. We have these primitives that we're giving you and we look at KMS as a very foundational service and I'm very excited for you to do things, great things with asymmetric keys as well. I'm very open to any feedback that you have for the service and love to talk to you about what more you would like to see in the service as far as a roadmap is concerned. Thank you very much, guys.